Hello and welcome to the CHGO Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Campbell, and the man is sitting to my left in the studio today. You may know from our great baseball coverage here at CHGO. He's an expert on both the Cubs and the White Sox, as well as cigars. Jared Willis, welcome to the CHGO Fire Podcast. It is good to be here. This is, uh, this is kind of fun for me. I get to branch out a little bit today. Repping your Tottenham Hotspur, right. Jared, right. a big soccer fan, in addition to being a baseball journalist professional. So he wanted to hop in here with me today as we are going to talk about the biggest news maybe ever in Major League Soccer. Lionel Messi is coming to MLS. Not exactly sure when he will land on American soil, but it is coming soon. And let's be honest, the fire right now, not the most exciting of topics given really the season, but particularly the results the last couple of weeks, punctuated by Lucas Zellerion's 93rd-minute game winner from 60 yards away. So we're just going to kick the fire to the end of the show today because first, very excited to have this man join us. We are joined by Chris Whittingham from Apple on MLS Season Pass and from Inter Miami themselves. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time. Welcome to CHGO Fire. And here I was thinking I was doing a 45-minute breakdown on Lucas Zellerion's goal. This is false advertising. <laughs> I mean, if, if we really want to talk about, you know, the fire's inability to complete a three-yard pass in the center circle in stoppage time of a game, yeah, or just how much Lucas Zellerion loves destroying the fire, but all of that for another day because Lucas Zellerion's a really great number 10 in MLS, but the top of that standing is certainly about to be Lionel Messi, maybe the greatest soccer player who has ever lived. Um... This has been coming for a while, Chris, but I, I wonder if, as someone on the kind of the inside of this, if you can take us through where you were and what you remember about the moment you knew for sure that this was definitely going to happen. Well, uh, to me, it wasn't really fully until Lionel Messi did his interview with Sport, in which the words came out of his mouth, I will continue my journey in Miami. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, you mentioned how this has sort of been coming, but coming in a sort of maybe there's a chance and uh, really like in one of those ways. And, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of smoke over the course of the last few months, heck over the last few years over the possibility of this, but until the greatest soccer player in the world who just won the world cup six months ago says out loud, I'm coming to Miami. It doesn't really seem real because you would have to think that there's a club in the champions league or even uh, a club in Saudi Arabia with the resources that they have that would ultimately pull this off. But, Fair play to the Moss brothers, fair play to Inter Miami and MLS and Adidas and Apple and everyone that was able to help get this over the line because, wow, what an incredible boon for Major League Soccer. Yeah, I became quickly distracted from I was at the uh, Chicago Fire Houston Dynamo U.S. Open Cup game, and that was quickly getting out of <laughs> hand from a, from a fire perspective. And the rumblings were starting to happen, and people were running out of the press box to take phone calls. Uh, they should rename name nameless for now, but you got the sense that something was brewing and thus all my attention was barely on Houston as they continue. Wait, so, to so even in Chicago, the there was sort of that, the, the, the tremors going off. Like in, in my mind, I'm like, why would someone in Chicago like care about that? But I guess this is, this is just sort of like a league wide. There's aftershocks in every city. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just say I was I was sitting next to uh, a, a one of the reporters who broke the story that night that it was going to be coming soon that they that you know Miami and Messi might have a deal agreed the story that came out in the Athletic on Tuesday evening. Mm. I didn't know that that's what was in the works at the time, but you can get a sense of there's a certain <laughs> energy that can only mean one thing. Jared, I'm interested for your take as somebody who's not an MLS plugged in person but a soccer fan. What was your experience of taking in the rumblings and then the breaking of the messy news? Well, yeah, it was similar in some ways because I've, 
I feel like I first started hearing about it a couple of months ago, but at the time it was very much like a, there's a slim, slim possibility here. Not really something that you want to bank on or get your hopes up about because the, you know, the opportunity or the chance to have Messi play here and maybe go see him play in person. Like that's, that's pretty exciting. So, you know, for a while it was just, I, my belief, my assumption was he was probably going to go to Saudi Arabia, just like Ronaldo. Um, so then when the, some of those rumors first started to come out that morning, I was immediately, I was like texting some friends like, okay, when, when does, you know, when do Miami come to Chicago? Let's start looking at tickets. And I know some people who are, who basically shorted the market on yeah. messy tickets oh, and yeah. have the potential to turn a very tidy profit. Cause the, the price of the tickets here. I think there it went up like 10, 10 times. Went from fifty bucks the night before to three hundred and fifty the next day, and the entire lower bowl of Soldier Field is basically sold out at this point. Right. We're just waiting for the club to open up the upper bowl, which is certainly happening at some point. I just think they might wait to get through the uh, the Gold Cup game that's at Soldier Field. Right. They might wait for a few other high profile events to kind of run their course of people spending money. On tickets, but Chris, I also wanted to ask: You're a Miami guy, like as you take all this in. How do you balance the professional excitement and aspect of this with just being really, really happy that the best soccer player ever is about to be playing in your hometown? Yeah, I, I mean, in some ways, they're they're one in the same in a weird way, just because like to to be a soccer fan, I'm sure you guys experience this too, is to almost be an advocate for the sport constantly uh, and telling people you should come. It's a great time. And I think a lot of people that have gone uh, to Inter Miami's Dry Pink Stadium have enjoyed themselves, even when Miami, last year they made the playoffs, but have largely not lived up to expectations from an on-field standpoint. But people still come out and, and have a really good time. It's a good atmosphere. And so you're always saying, come, it's fun. And now that job has done itself a million times over. Now it's like, can you keep people away from that place? Uh, and it, it is absolutely stunning. I mean, right now, well, the, the Miami Heat just got eliminated from the NBA Finals last night. The Florida Panthers are on the brink of elimina uh, elimination from the Stanley Cup final as well. But this period in which both of those teams have gone through to the championship series of their you know, re respective leagues and you get Lionel Messi on the back, uh, back end of it, it's absolutely extraordinary. But yeah, the number of people that have texted me, that have reached out to me and say, hey, tickets, hey, do you want to come on my show? Hey, you know, what, what's this going to be like? Tell me, how, how big is this messy guy? Like, it, it's absolutely extraordinary, just the, the sheer size of what we're talking about here because this is the biggest athlete that perhaps has ever lived. And I know that that might sound hyperbolic, but remember, I, you know, 50 years ago when yeah. Pele was playing, the world wasn't as connected as it is now. Mm. And they all sort of convened every year at the World Cup every four years. Oh, who's this Brazilian guy? He's quite good. Uh, but now Lionel Messi is sort of in your life all the time, and he has been for 15 years. And... And Lionel Messi and football is just bigger by orders of magnitude than any other sport in the world. And so Lionel Messi coming here is a is an atomic bomb going off in South Florida. And I just can't wait to see what that scene is going to be like. I know I'm on the road every week with MLS season pass and calling games, but I kind of want to go to one game at the very least. I don't know if I'll get a weekend off at some point, but um, I, I just want to take in what that's going to be like. Because week in, week out, that place is going to be sort of the epicenter of the soccer universe. Uh, and it's going to be crazy fun 
I was going to say, we've also got uh, uh, your Florida Marlins just being the best team I've ever seen only in the ninth <laughs> inning against the White Sox. <laughs> the White Sox. In person there I, I got for to all see of that. Firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, though, Chris, is this a is this unfair to the uh, the Heat and the Panthers or is this a welcome distraction from what has been <laughs> not the end of those journeys that Miami was probably hoping for, given that the Panthers could be out tonight? Yeah, I mean, last week when it happened, there was still genuine hope around both of those teams. The The Panthers were coming back uh, to play game three at home, which they inevitably won, uh, and the Heat were still uh, in the midst of playing home games themselves. So there, there was still the hope then. It was more sort of a, what do we do with all of this positivity? What do we do with all of this news? What, what leads the Miami Herald sports section? What leads the local television uh, sports block? Does it lead the A block of the news show? Like th- there, was th- there was those sorts of considerations. How do we balance all these incredible things that are happening to us at the same time? And I imagine there's some people down here that probably saw the end of the road for the Panthers in the heat and thought, oh, well, there's my vacation time. I can now, you know, saunter off and, and not care about sports for a little while until NFL training camp opens or until maybe the Marlins enter a genuine wildcard race. But now it's it's every day. It's every day here in South Florida. And the sort of feeling that you get, you know, going I went to a restaurant the, the, the night after it happened and you see like five Argentina jerseys in the restaurant that you might not have seen. Otherwise, everyone reaches through their closet. Where's where's the messy gear? Where's the Miami gear? You see it around town way more. And uh, when when it actually officially gets done, when he's officially in market, when he officially plays the first game, I just can't wait to see what that whole scene is going to be like what it'll be like at the airport what it'll be like at restaurants what it'll be like around town seeing way more inter miami gear than you have before well that's one thing i was curious about chris is is there any you know do we know approximately when he might be here when that first match would be that he's he's a part of so uh july 5th the transfer window opens so and uh june 30th his contract with paris saint germain uh ends so in theory, the paperwork can get signed there. Uh, the only question is, how long will it take after you know his European season only just ended nine days ago? And so how long will it take for the... And, and also, by the way, he's about to embark on internationals. I think they're in China right now. They, I think they're playing in Indonesia after that, Argentina. They're, they're going on a world tour after winning the World Cup. And presumably, he'll want to come back. He'll want to take some time off. He'll want to go through a preseason. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about the opening day of League's Cup. Uh, which is July the 21st when Inter-Miami hosts Cruz Azul at Drive Pink Stadium. Uh, we don't know if that's going to be the, the actual date. That Nothing's been confirmed, um, but that, that's been floated out there. But um, it'll be interesting to see when sort of he's in full flow. Um, obviously, League's Cup is something that Miami will take seriously, as all MLS teams will. But you have the league campaign and sort of the, the fight to get in the playoffs. Inter-Miami have an Open Cup semifinal to deal with after that as well, away at FC Cincinnati. So uh, th- there's a lot of opportunity for him to jump in, but uh, it'll be curious j- just exactly when. Yeah, it would be really fun, whether it's that League's Cup match, which I would have to imagine in Miami, if that gets picked as the date, that game I would feel like has Hard Rock Stadium written all over it, or whether it's in Cincinnati, just in terms of atmospheres in Major League Soccer and how much both fan bases are going to care very, very deeply about that game. I mean, FC Cincinnati has their eyes like legitimately on a double this season. So, and having been in that stadium, which is beautiful in Cincinnati, the energy there for a messy debut um, could be amazing. And I guess, Chris, also wanted to get your perspective, especially for our listeners who maybe haven't been as plugged in 
Why Miami? Why now? I mean, $1.3 billion from Saudi Arabia. There's been reporting that Messi's wife kind of put her foot down and said, absolutely not. I'm not moving to Riyadh. What's kind of the sense locally about Messi choosing Miami? Well, it's a remarkable bit of stars aligning because we're sort of talking about three other options uh, that were there in the run into this. One was staying in Paris, which in December looked odds on. Fabrizio Romano was out there saying verbal agreement done. He's coming back. No problem. And uh, PSG want to extend the contract and he's just won the World Cup in Qatar and they have Qatari owners. Let's keep going. This is great. And then something deteriorated along the way. And three months later, he's like, I'm out of here. And I'm, I'm, and this has gone poorly and I want to go somewhere else. So that was sort of strike number one. Uh, Barcelona's financial situation, I think, was probably strike number two. I know you're, you're wearing your Barcelona kit. Um, and I, uh, it, I bought this for like 20 bucks as a knockoff on the Barcelona boardwalk <laughs> like 10 years ago. So you, 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 mentioned you probably needed the to get the gears. authentic thing so they could have afforded Messi, honestly. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so their, their financial situation is such a disaster that they couldn't promise him that they would be able to register his contract. I genuinely think he wanted to go back. They're just in such a mess that they couldn't even offer him that much of a promise. Ne never mind the amounts of money that Miami or Saudi Arabia could offer. And then the Saudi thing, it's sort of unclear, right? Because, you know, the, the, the Saudi um, sort of apparatus was leaking out there to particularly AFP, the wire service, that, hey, we've got him. We're ready. We've got the private jet ready to go to Riyadh. He just has to say the word and, and, and we'll whisk him away to Saudi Arabia. And it never happened. And I don't know why. I don't know what it was. It might have been the, the, the personal factor that you mentioned. Messi has sort of genuine Miami connections as well, um, having, having a place here and having spent uh, time on vacation here as well. The family presumably likes it here. So there's, there's a lot to like, obviously, about living in Miami, uh, but it's more making that possibility come true and also making the financials come true because Lionel Messi is not coming unless they put together some fairly extravagant financial package con considering what's on the table from Saudi Arabia. So it's making a lot of factors work. And to me, the biggest takeaway is just the way that all of those stars aligned to make this happen because uh, I, I would have not had said that's a genuine possibility um, two years ago, but uh, in, in the intervening period, Miami have done everything they can to make it possible. And all, all those other things happen. And here they are pouncing to get Lionel Messi to come to Miami. Shout out to Tom in the chat for uh, throwing yes, stones Tom. in glass houses, <laughs> criticizing Jared for his Tottenham support, but then admitting to being a Bears fan who lives in England. Why on <laughs> earth would you have subjected yourself to what we put ourselves through every NFL season? I know. Tom, you feel my pain at least, though. It, you know, I feel like you know where I'm coming from. But, uh, are you a big yeah. Ange guy? Are you, are you looking forward to the Postacoglu era at Spurs? Uh, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. It feels like they're sort of in a no man's land right now of, you know, you're, you're not in the, you know, contention for Europa, but you're not, there's no danger of like being relegated. So let's see what happens. You know, it's, it's kind of exciting in a way. And speaking of seeing what happens, we do want to talk with Chris a little bit about the soccer angle. He's great on that as well as, in addition to this big macro stuff. But first, I have to tell you that CHGO Fire is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code CHGO. That's code CHGO only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit the gambling helpline ma.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas, 21 and over in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com hockey terms. All right, so uh, Chris, let's talk some soccer. Um, we in Chicago know a few things about a bad MLS team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, <laughs> Miami has the only worst team right now in the MLS Eastern Conference. So we've seen a lot of bad soccer. Uh, I think 538's soccer team ratings currently list Inter-Miami's attack as something on the level of a mid-table England League One team. Um, so how is this going to work? Like, is Messi going to get magically dropped into this team and suddenly Inter-Miami are going to put up three goals a game? Or, I mean, what's kind of the soccer view from your perspective on the impact Messi could have in the short term? So it's interesting. So I, I do think that, yes, there are certainly elements of the attack that are left wanting. However, I do think that there are some bits of it. And I, I just watched them this past weekend away at New England. And while they did lose 3-1 and they were 3-0 down 50 minutes into the game, there are moments where they get into the final third and you're going, man, if there was just a number 10 in there that can create that, that final pass or, or you know hit that shot from the edge of the area or just have ideas in the final third, they could be a good team. And by the way, they weren't that far away from being this team last year. They traded for Alejandro Pozuelo from Toronto, and all of a sudden they took off. They were a really good team after that. If you look at their record in the second half of the season, they were pretty good. And Alejandro Pozuelo is not Lionel Messi. And so I do think that there's a certain amount of, if they just plugged in a really good number 10 in the current team, they wouldn't be rock bottom of the Eastern Conference. However, the, the concern for me is, what does it look like when Lionel Messi plays with a bunch of players that are not on his level on a variety of ways, technically, tactically, but also just sort of ideas and thinking, right? And that's just, good. That's just a fact. You're playing in Major League Soccer. You're not going to be able to put together a team of 11 players that are suitable to playing with Lionel Messi at the level that he's played at for the last 17 years of his career. It's just a fact. And so how will he adjust? How will Miami adjust? And also, how will a manager put it together? Remember, Inter-Miami do have a manager vacancy uh, that, that could be filled in the next few weeks. Tata Martino's name has been out there, but we don't know for sure. Uh, and so we, we just don't know how Miami are going to be able to fill the, the other spaces around Lionel Messi. There is, of course, all the links around his friends that want to come along. Uh, Sergio Busquets probably being the biggest one, but it was just reported by Fabrizio Romano that Jordi Alba uh, could be among the, the former Barcelona players and former Messi friends that come along. So I, I don't know sort of how much or how many of those players are going to come along to sort of help with that transition. But I do think on the one hand that a good number 10 can really help this team to at the very least be a playoff team. But on the other, I sort of wonder what the footballing adjustment will be for Messi taking a different step because it took him a while to adjust to playing with Paris Saint-Germain and he's playing with Neymar and Mbappe. Now, sort of translate that to MLS and that's another step forward in terms of having to evolve your game. So I think there's a lot of footballing curiosities around this team. Well, that was, yeah, I mean, you kind of answered that was something I wondered about was how how much does he elevate the team versus is there a point where he's potentially frustrated by the talent that's around him or the, the level of talent that's around him? Because um, is there, I, I know it's not going to be equivalent, but if you had to compare the type of talent that you see in MLS to 
you know, what level, say, in the English system does this, you know, what does it sort of compute to? I've, I've always sort of imagined it sort of like upper level of the championship. I know I know you mentioned that the attack was sort of on the level of League One, but I'd probably say that uh, sort of on the level of the championship. Now, I, I would also say that Miami has sort of kept some of their powder dry uh, in, in, intentionally in sort of the hopes of this happening. Uh, obviously, keeping a DP spot open for Lionel Messi. Um, there are other moves they can make to maybe free up other DP spots and bring in another high-level player. They've kept some more of their budget in their holster as well and acquired more money to add to their budget uh, from other teams, namely from Montreal uh, in trading Bryce Duke and Ariel Lasseter for Kamal Miller and 1.3 million in allocation money. So they have been keeping resources unused so that they can add to their team. But in terms of that level, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be unlike anything he's ever played with before. I mean, you know, Paris Saint-Germain, there's internationals at every position there. That just isn't the case. If you joined LAFC, that wouldn't be the case. Uh, So I, I do think that, that it's an interesting question in terms of the level of frustration. I mean, Miami fans saw Gonzalo Higuain be frustrated for a very long time. And then all of a sudden just something clicked. Uh, it was basically when he decided he was going to retire. It's like, well, let, let me enjoy the last bit of this. And then he only went and smashed in like 16 goals in his last 18 games. So I do think a lot of that is mentality. I'll be curious the, the mentality that he approaches this with why one hopes that it's one of joy, given that he just made the move, but uh, you also don't know what it's going to be like until you're out there on your first training session. It's 95 degrees outside in South Florida, withering heat, and you're watching a player not make a run that you're used to that player making, right, for, for the entirety of your career. And so it's it's sort of the impractice versus reality of how you're actually going to see those pieces get put together. And uh, Shy points out in the chat, yeah, at, at, at Miami are currently – also hamstrung this season because of sanctions that are running their course from when they essentially had five designated players a couple of years ago. So the options right now are a little limited. You talk, though, about just like the talent he's going to be surrounded by. I remember a few years ago here in Chicago and Bastion Schweinsteiger was playing for the fire. You could tell the people on the field who he felt were on the same soccer IQ level as him and the people who weren't based on his frustration with the runs people did or did not make. You know, he, he certainly uh, felt safer passing to people like Dax McCarty and Nemanja Nikolic and Georgi Mihailovic than he did passing to certain other players on the field who he did not feel were at that level. But, Chris, given the, uh, the roster restrictions, given that it's going to be a midseason approach, what, what's kind of the realistic expectations, do you think, for, for Messi initially? Do they go all in on Open Cup and kind of say we'll figure out the roster stuff in the winter and then really go at MLS next year. What do you think it's, you know, especially for fans in Miami and MLS fans more broadly, what do you think it's fair to expect from these next few months of Messi? I I don't know what's fair, honestly. I I really don't. Just because we don't really know all the other players that are due to come in or go out as a result and also how the manager is going to put it together, even how much time they'll have. Uh, If they make a run in League's Cup, they'll be playing a ton of games uh, from late July to late August and then get right back into the league and then right back into Open Cup. And so there's a there's a chance that they're playing a ton of games. They could also go out in the group stage and basically take three weeks to go through a preseason training camp with Lionel Messi and a bunch of new players and sort of get ready for the run-in. But I have to be honest, guys. I look at the player that Lionel Messi is, and I think any game that he plays in, Miami will fancy themselves to win, wouldn't they? A- away, away at New York, away at Atlanta, away at Chicago Fire, which is in the run into the season. You mentioned the tickets there. I mean, I have to think. They're away at LAFC also in the run-in. That's the most difficult game in MLS in my view. But 
Lionel Messi is the orders of magnitude better than any player he's going to be playing against. Wouldn't you back him to put in a performance on almost any day? Now, that's probably not going to be every day. And I don't know if he's going to play every game or sort of what the levels of fitness will be or how it fits or if he's ready to adjust to the league from day one because um, a lot worse players have, have struggled. But I don't know a player of his level in terms of that level of fit. But I, I, I have genuinely high hopes for Miami because how could you not? It's Lionel Messi. You have to have high hopes, no? Yeah. Also, shout out to the guy who's arguing in the comment section that nobody cares about soccer, but he took the time to come to this podcast <laughs> and argue. That, thank you, Shy. Uh, came, took yeah. the time to argue in the chat and hit the like button while you're here, man. We appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. Since you're here, just go ahead. And yeah, numbers are numbers. Yeah. Uh, Chris, before we get you out of here, I do want to ask kind of a broadcasting nerd uh, question. You're you're certainly gonna be on the call for probably a couple Inter Miami games, at least a few. You're gonna have to probably fight off a friend of the show, Tyler Terrens, as well as others, for the <laughs> right to call lots of Inter Miami this season. How do you prepare for a game that Messi's involved in? Because I know that I wouldn't be able to use just my whatever my normal research process is for a player. Yeah, when it's when it's messy. There's only so much room on on the on the shot chart. There's only so many pieces yeah. of paper you can tape around your broadcast position. How do you anticipate preparing for that? It's also, it's a great question sort of more generally. Cause like, how does, how does Mike Breen prepare to call LeBron James? Right? right. It's not like you say he was the number one overall pick in 2003 out of St. Vincent, St. Mary. We know that <laughs> we, he, he's won four NBA titles. We know that uh, he has all these accolades. We know that. Uh, and, and I imagine it's sort of the same thing. So it would have to be trying to find some insightful way. I think to probably, I, I would probably go about trying to connect it to the current situation and sort of what's new there. Uh, talk about some of the things that he'll inevitably say about the city and about why he wanted to sign up for the Miami project in particular. Um, because, you know, World Cup winner and eight-time Ballon d'Or winner and Golden Ball at the World Cup winner, that stuff is sort of fairly self-evident, right? It's, 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 it's self-evident just on the name of the back of the shirt. You don't have to go much farther than that. So it's more about, I think, probably telling the story of why he's in Miami and sort of what he is going to be doing for not just Miami, but Major League Soccer as a whole and the way that I think we all hope as a result of this, this league will take big steps forward because they have the ability uh, to use this incredible talent, this incredible player to propel themselves even further and take next steps. Well, Chris, we really appreciate you taking this much time and lending your insight. Uh, Jared, any parting questions for Chris before we let him get back to probably talking to a whole bunch of other people about Messi? <laughs> no, Chris, just uh, wish you wish you well with uh, calling these games and, you know, in the excitement of what Messi brings to Miami and, and just soccer here in the U.S. in general, because that's, you know, we'll, we'll probably get into this, but that sort of that big picture question of what does this do for soccer in the United States? I, I think it's yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah, and I think that's something that, you know, we're hoping over the course of the next few months will kind of start to become evident. It'll become obvious the the way that Messi's impact is is growing Major League Soccer. There's a home Copa America next year. There's obviously a home World Cup in three years' time. Uh, there, there's a lot going on in this part of the world, and this is a big chance for this league to take a step forward, for the sport to take a step forward and start to elbow out uh, some of its other competitors. Obviously, in a market like Chicago, you know, I'm not certain that the fire are, are ever going to be bigger than, you know, the Blackhawks or the White Sox or the Cubs or the Bears or uh, whomever. But ultimately, I, I hope that this signing will allow other teams to make signings like it 
and will sort of grow the profile and that hopefully when Lionel Messi does come to Soldier Field, that a bunch of people will go to the game and say, I want to come back because this was great. And hopefully the fire on that day put out a performance that makes people want to do that. that that's, that's another part of it as well. So I think the, the growth aspect is obviously massive. That would be very, very nice. Well, Chris Whittingham, uh, condolences on the my other on the other Miami sports teams, but congratulations to your <laughs> Manchester City on their championship, and congratulations to the city of Miami on securing the services of one Lionel Messi. Thanks so much for the time, Chris. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Cheers, guys. Thank you to Chris Whittingham. And before we get more on that local angle and talk some stuff that's at least tangentially fire-related, if not the games, CHGO Fire is brought to you by GameTime, where you can use code CHGO for $20 off because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. You can take a look maybe at that Miami Fire matchup. It's on October 4th. There's probably going to be more tickets put on sale, so this is maybe a further down the road thing to think about, but that might be a great way to get tickets to games. We've got some other Fun soccer things going on in Chicago this summer. The United States men's national team is taking on Jamaica at Soldier Field on uh, June 24th and a couple of Saturdays, so keep your eye on that. There's also great summer soccer. You get friendlies like Chelsea taking on Borussia Dortmund at Soldier Field. There's also, of course, the fire, the Red Stars. There's always a lot going on on that front. Baseball season, obviously also in full swing. I know we don't have a ton to cheer about on either side of town at the moment, but that does create create the opportunity for great deals. On game time, you can get flash deals on last-minute tickets. It's easy to find and buy tickets. You can get great views of the view from your seat, and game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance, and with the game time guarantee, you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason so snag tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code chgo for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code chgo for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed so uh jared i guess we kind of have to talk about the fire this is the chgo fire podcast uh, if you're listening, you probably are well aware that they got blown away in Bridgeview this time last week by the Houston Dynamo to end the kind of one big hope for the season, which was the U.S. Open Cup. They then lost to maybe the goal of the season in Major League Soccer on Saturday night. Jordan Shakiri scores in the 88th minute. I think we've got a draw. And, and Lucas Zellerian says, hold my beer, and puts one in from 55 yards out. And that was just the biggest air out of the balloon moment possible and has become... Very familiar for this team, but I think what we want to more talk about is kind of the more macro. You're a yeah. big Chicago sports guy. You're a big soccer fan, but not necessarily a big MLS guy. And I think it, right. that's a good opportunity then to talk about how we see the growth of soccer in America as a popular sport just continuing to go up and up and up. But it far outpaces MLS in terms of popularity. Soccer, you could argue, is maybe the third most popular sport in America at this point. But MLS is certainly not probably even in the top five of sports leagues. So um, from your perspective, as somebody who's like me, passionate about the sport and lives locally, what's kind of your, I guess, two cents on the way that soccer does and doesn't catch on locally? 
Well, I think it's interesting because in some ways we're we're spoiled by having the option to watch other leagues. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, I think soccer is a, a lot more popular here than maybe some people realize, including people who are in, <laughs> in the, the chat. comments today. But you know, it, it is a very popular sport in this country. But the problem is I can get up on a Saturday morning and I can turn on you know Peacock or USA Network and watch a Premier League match. Um, it's really easy for me to do that. It's really easy for me to, to watch uh, games in Europe. And when I'm looking at like the level of play, the level of competition that I have access to that way, that's, that's a lot more appealing. And there's also, with a lot of these clubs, there's history there where, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to learn the history of some of these clubs that have been around for a really long time. Over 100 years in a lot of cases, if we're talking about right. England specifically. Right, right. And that's that's kind of what I was thinking about. But uh, And you compare that to even some of your oldest MLS teams. It's just not, it's mm-hmm. not the same. And so we're in, in one sense, we're spoiled by options as far as like soccer that we can watch. But then in another sense, you're, you know, being local in Chicago, we're spoiled by options as far as other sports. Mm-hmm. So when I live here and I'm thinking about teams that I want to follow – and, and watch and go to games for, there's there's yeah, so many You only choices. have so much bandwidth as a fan right. to to spread around. Because it's interesting, we know soccer is super popular. I mean, people in the MLS, in MLS circles have referred to Chicago as a sleeping giant for years because we know there are millions of soccer fans in Metro Chicago. You can see it any time, you know, when Mexico has played at right. Soldier Field, it's a sellout. And that's not just Chicago. That's people coming from around the Midwest around the country, but, you know, there was video going around these last couple of weeks of when Messi came off the bench to score for Argentina a hat-trick against Panama in a Copa America game back in 2016 and how raucous the crowd is for that. These summer friendlies, we see it like we know there's the people there and the interest there. It's just, I don't think the fire would have to make a messy side splash to get more of that attention, but, yeah, it's definitely a really crowded you know, local sports market. I guess that's kind of a question then to throw back at you. The fire, it's a, and Chris made this point, aren't going to pass any of the big established teams in mm-hmm. terms of local popularity. But from, I guess from your perspective, what do you think it would take for them to just be in the conversation? Because in a lot of ways right now, they're not. Right. They're, yeah, they're really not. Um, in, in Chicago, the, I think the sports fan, fan base in general has demonstrated that in this town, we're willing to back teams that they don't have to be championship teams all the time. Chicago fans are very loyal to whether it's the Bears, the Bulls, um, the Cubs and the White Sox. We don't need to see, you know, perennial champions. Obviously, you know, everybody wants that. So I don't think it's a question of obviously if the fire were good, that would help. Mm -hmm. But I think it's it becomes a, a question of when you look at what Miami did with Messi, does that create some sort of a roadmap for other teams in MLS? You're not necessarily going to sign guys of his caliber because he's a... He's one of one. You're, right. you're, there's not another one so, of him floating right. around. You're not talking about that kind of thing, but even just for this large number of fans here, like me, who watch the Premier League all the time, and if some of the names that you get to know over there, the players that you follow over there if it becomes a realistic possibility that, hey, this guy that I've really enjoyed watching there might actually come to this country and play for the fire or play for a team here, I think the more that happens, the better that is for the, for the league. And again, I think it's, just, it's interesting just to see 
does Messi create sort of a roadmap for, for that being a realistic possibility for other teams? Well, I think Chris kind of alluded to this and maybe he couldn't dive in on it as much because he does indirectly work. He does do official league broadcasting, but there's been some good columns. Um, Paul Tenorio in The Athletic had one out yesterday, another Chicago guy, uh, about what he's hoping happens here. And the hope is, and I'm in this group, is that th- this and the financial shenanigans Miami is going to have to pull in order mm-hmm. to get this done and to do what Messi wants in terms of signing people like Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba, Angel Di Maria, is that basically the league is going to finally have to tear up the roster rules and say, okay, let's open it up. Because what I've wanted to see for years is give the teams a hard salary cap, tell them what the number is, and then let them spend that money how they want. Because you talk about a team like Chicago, for example, Joe Mansueto, the owner of the fire, is just as rich as a lot of owners of big European soccer clubs. The Fire have the money. If they wanted to go out and spend 30, 40, 50 million dollars on a transfer, the Fire have the resources to do it. They just can't afford to pay those guys. There's no transfer fee limit in MLS, but there are salary rules and the guys who would command that kind of fee, the sorts of, you know, guys, you know, who are going to be house not household names, but known commodities to European fans, American fans of European soccer, yeah, they're just going to command salaries that don't fit in. You know, Jordan Shakiri is, as of right now, the highest paid player in Major League Soccer. He makes $8.25 million a year, which is not a small amount of money. But if that's kind of your ceiling, there's only so many players you can get there. Messi's base salary is rumored to be something on the order of $26 million, which is cheap for Messi. His reported salary at PSG these last two seasons was something on the order of 60 million euros a year. Him and Kylian Mbappe, I think, were basically on matching salaries there. Neymar's right in that group as well. I think PSG was fielding the three most expensive by salary players in the world all on their team. So again, MLS teams, there's a lot of them. The Fire among them, um, Atlanta, LAFC, um, trying to think who else. I mean, New York City FC is owned by Manchester City. Like, there's limitless money there. The money is there if MLS is willing to let teams spend it. So I'm really hoping that in in exchange for basically the whole league is kind of helping here because there's equity in this messy deal and ways Mm -hmm. teams are giving up dollars for Messi to score goals against them because everybody knows it's good for the league. So, yeah, I'm really hoping that we get to this offseason and – the league realizes that letting Messi build the team he wants to build is worth it for everybody. And to do that, we're going to have to rewrite some rules. So I'd love to see it opened up, particularly from a Chicago perspective. Right. Because if it opened up, the Fire are one of the teams who are poised to take advantage of looser rules if the rules get looser. Yeah, and I think in this situation, like we we referenced earlier, you saw the the price of the the tickets for the one match here, how, how high they went and how quickly that demonstrates that there is a large desire to go and watch, but they're, you know, they're going and watching for the player. But if you have more of those types of, of players here, I think you'll see a lot more of that where, where people will say, maybe I'm not a fire fan yet, but this guy is here and I want to go see this person. Um, You know, he plays for that team that's visiting or he plays for, the fire. Right. And especially because it's a single entity league and like right. financially, there are only so many places you can make gains for your team that you get to keep all of. And one of the things you get to keep all of is game day gate, beer, right. food, hot dogs, concession stand, all of that. That's where teams have an ability 
to make themselves money that they don't have to give to other people. You look at last year, the best attended fire game at Soldier Field last season was against the LA Galaxy. And the reason it was the best attended game is because Chicharito Hernandez, Mexican superstar, plays for the Galaxy. And which is, right. again, we don't need to get into this today, but it's why it was very frustrating that the fire didn't make a run, a better run at a guy like Chicharito, or went 11 years without a single Mexican player on the roster. It's like, if, if the biggest differentiator, if financially to you as a club, winning and losing only matters so much, and the thing you can really get money out of is putting the butts in the seats, the fire have not done the best job they could have of simply, to your point, get people in the door to say, hey, I want to see that guy. And if the team yeah. turns in a good performance, then they might come back. If the team doesn't play well, hey, at least you got thirty or 40,000 people in to see that guy. And I think there will be some... You know, people who will come initially for that reason. I'm here to see this player. But then they go and they have a good time and it's fun. And, hey, it turns out that watching, you know, watching this this sport is is fun. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's more like any sport. It's more fun to watch in person. So mm -hmm. you get that experience and then you say, all right, well, let's, let's go again. Maybe I'll go in another time. I'll pick a different match. And the, the second or third time around, it doesn't matter as much whether there's a, a name player there and it's just about – I had fun last time. I want to go do this again. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what turns people into fans is getting those kinds of experiences. And it becomes less about, I need to be there to see this player. And it's more about, I just, I enjoy this sport and I want to watch this team. Absolutely. And it's a thing you can talk about in a lot of aspects of sport. You know, the thought of that, oh, MLS isn't a good enough level is a barrier to entry to a lot of people. But once you're around it, once you experience it, it's the stories, it's the it's the personalities. That's what drives our interest in sports. It's what we love. We love to know. We love to be able to connect with those athletes or just, or just simply yeah. in the state of someone like Messi, being in their presence might simply mm -hmm. be just this aura that's, this is an incredible thing I like being around. And when if you've been in a really good soccer crowd, like you can feel that like the sport just has a certain energy to it that once you've experienced it, it's really infectious no matter what the level of the play on the pitches if the atmosphere around it is that good. So we mentioned multiple times, Messi's coming to Soldier Field probably on October 4th. Uh, CHGO Fire on Twitter. We will keep you posted on ticket updates for that. Uh, Upper Deck's not on sale yet, but it sounds like it will be sooner rather than later. Uh, sooner on the calendar, the Fire are off this week. MLS is taking off at least part of the international break. Always nice when they don't play through that. A thing I will never understand. Uh, the next three matches are all on the road, though, in MLS for the Fire. They've got road trips to Portland, Kansas City, and Orlando. They will not be back in July until July 8th, back in Chicago until July 8th. That's against Nashville. And then they have three straight home games at Soldier Field. It is going to be interesting, though, if Messi is coming in October. Uh, that game is three days after a Bears home game. The fire get flexed out of Soldier Field a lot during Bears season. Can we get the Bears, like, flexed to, like, Bridgeview <laughs> or Naperville or wherever to keep the what? field nice and clean for Messi? Or can we get a deal where we just roll in a whole new set of sod for Messi in between those games? Because, God, I, we've seen what Soldier Field looks like for a soccer game in Bears season, and right. <laughs> Messi's not going to have anything good to say about it. Well, there, there was some speculation that he might see – see the condition of the field on October 4th after a Bears game and say, eh, I think I'm going to sit this one out. But, uh, but yeah, I, th I mean, right now the, the Bears have, what, three, four different suburbs all competing to build a, a new stadium. So, um, 
That'd really be something if they flex the bears out of Soldier Field. I mean, it's not going to happen, no. but it would be it would be very no. it would be very very funny. And the Bears look like they should be like promising enough this season. Like if now if the Bears roll into that week like zero and six, it's like and you've got sixty thousand people coming in to see Messi three days later. It's like please don't mess up the turf too bad. Like let's 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 cash in on this as much as we can because we've seen superstars come to MLS and refuse to play on turf. That was something yeah. notably Didier Drogba when he played for Montreal would not play turf games. Uh, Thierry Henry was pretty selective; he would play them sometimes but not other times a lot with a lot of the older players, but there's, that's going to be interesting. There's going to be pressure for Messi to play. I even saw that there's MLS games that are during international breaks that people are paying hundreds of dollars for tickets. And if Messi goes and plays with Argentina, he's not going to be there. So that's when like Chris alluded, Argentina are currently on a world tour. The current reporting is he's going to play the first game of the tour and then go on like a two week vacation with his family. And then he will show up in Miami Eventually. So, yeah, we'll have to see. It's a really exciting time in American soccer with Messi coming to the league. And like I said, from a Chicago perspective, I think our best hope is that in the long run, it is not only good trickling down to all the other teams, but it also opens the door into this new era of American pro soccer where big names are more of a regular occurrence. That's going to do it, though, for this episode of CHGO Fire. I hope all of you listening didn't mind our digression from the usual talk about the men in red or blue or whatever they happen to be wearing that week because this messy news is a big deal. This is the biggest signing in league history. We really appreciate Chris Whittingham taking the time to join us. I'm sure he is very busy lately, given that not only Inter-Miami, but South Florida sports in general are pretty crazy right now. Also, thank you, Jared, for hopping in here. I think we'll have to have you around again when we've got more soccer to talk about and just maybe can shoot the breeze on a number of non-fire specific topics and also just talk soccer in Chicago. So I appreciate you coming in here too. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. Absolutely. So thank you everybody for tuning into this episode of the CHGO Fire Podcast. I'm Alex Campbell. We'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks.